everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I dive into a specific topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. This week, I'm joined by fellow dietitian, Stephanie Notaris, who specializes in counseling. Stephanie felt that her education as a dietitian didn't prepare her for the counseling work she was doing in the field, and so she went on to complete her master's in counseling and is currently working toward a PhD. Stephanie now uses her knowledge, skills, and experience to train other dietitians in key counseling techniques to bridge the gap between what our education provides us and the skill sets that we need. In this episode, Stephanie shares key insights into how we can all feel more confident as nutrition counselors, tying her advice and strategies into all areas of dietetics, whether you're in an outpatient or private practice setting or not. I also want to give a little plug to Stephanie's program, the Dietitian Counseling Skills Program, which is actually launching tomorrow, August 2nd. I know, I know, it's super last minute, but if you listen to this episode early in the week and you resonate with her approach and the support she offers, please reach out to her. You may be able to grab one last spot in her program still. All right, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to chat with you because you specialize in something that I am super passionate about and that a lot of dietitians do not feel very confident with. Oh, thank you. I'm very delighted to talk to you about um, counseling skills and how dietitians feel about them and what we can do. Excellent. So why don't you start off by explaining a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Sure. So I am an accredited practicing dietitian, which is the RD equivalent in Australia. And I also have a master's of counseling. And with that, I help dietitians learn the most evidence-based counseling and coaching skills to really elevate their consults with their clients to um, help their clients get better outcomes and enhance their retention as well. In their in their practice which i think is amazing and i don't know what it's like in australia but i know that in the u.s dietitians don't feel like they're properly trained in counseling techniques yes so i think in australia it's the same and internationally it's it's the same theme that keeps coming up whenever we speak to dietitians about the counseling process whether it's just my conversations with dietitians or what we read um, in the literature from dietitians' experience experiences with counselling clients. So it's a very common challenge because we are trained in a very specific way that doesn't always suit our clientele. Absolutely, absolutely. And what is it that got you into counselling in the first place? Um, so in the in my first year as a graduate dietitian, I got a, a six-month um, casual position working in an outpatient clinic. And I was so excited because I really believed that if I imparted my knowledge, <laughs> I would change everyone's life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and slowly over time, over those six months, I was getting a bit disheartened because 
clients just weren't changing, they were struggling and that was okay, but it was more that I didn't know what to do differently apart from educating. Mm -hmm. And I also found that they started dropping off and not showing back up, just showing back to the clinic. And um, at the time, I had a few supervisors that were wonderful, but they would always say to me, it's okay, Stephanie, don't worry, they're just not ready to change. But I had one mentor that really challenged me on it and said, well, what if you could do something differently? What do you think that something could be? And I said, oh, I wish I had a bit of counselling training, just that more practical approach to like how do I say things right how do I ask the right questions that gets them wanting to change or thinking about change without it being a disadvantage to them or causing any psychological damage I was really worried about that and then that mentor is the one that planted the seed for me to go and do extra training Um, and it was transformational for me. Yep. That's amazing. And I think a lot of dietitians can relate to that concept of like, you know, it's great when you have someone who comes in and they're ready for change and they're like gung ho and they buy in and they're, they're awesome. But someone who's feeling a little bit more ambivalent or has mixed feelings or has a lot of other things that they're grappling with in their life, it can be a lot harder. And before we just write them off and say, oh, well, we can't help them. Maybe we can, maybe it's just that we haven't been taught how to. Yes, and I truly believe that because when you actually look at some of the evidence behind clients ready to change, I think the figure is something like less than 20% of people are in the action stage of change. And that just means that they're really ready. They're probably going to overcome barriers a bit easier, not that they won't have them. Mm -hmm. They're just, they've really done the mindset work behind it to be, to think it's important to be really ready for it and then to get advice on that confidence to move forward with it. But then what about the other 80%? It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be working with them or they're not your ideal client. What it means is if you've got the right skills, you'll get them to that stage. Mm -hmm. It just needs more time working with you and the right language and the right questioning. Yep. That's beautiful. And so what was it that made you want to go from, okay, I'm interested in, in gaining my counseling skills for my benefit and for my client's benefit to wanting to now impart this knowledge for other dietitians? Um, so when I finished my master's in counseling, it was probably, probably almost seven years ago now, um, I was invited by the organization I was working for at the time to come up with a counseling skills program for the the district. So in Australia, we operate in little districts. So I created this program, which 50 dietitians completed, and they just really, really enjoyed it. And I got such positive feedback. I was able to publish the model. I was able to see their growth. And I just found that so fulfilling Um, and then I thought I wonder if you know 50 dietitians are all interested surely the and the literature says this is a problem for all like our Mm -hmm. profession widespread I wonder if more people would have access to it and I can't serve everyone in a room so I thought why not see whether there is a market for it online if dietitians are interested if they're feeling the same way and that's where it started from. 
That's amazing. And so now you're launching this program internationally, virtually, so that anyone can access it. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what the program is like? Sure. So the program has um, three components to it. So it's educational, which I think that we do we do need to be educated in all the extra skills to really feel confident to know what to do. But there is a very big component on implementation and then a very big component on support. So the way that the program is structured is that, yes, you will get the education, but there's going to be a lot of support on the how-to. So it's not going to be like a course that you may attend face-to-face or virtually for a few days, and then you're left with, okay, well, what now? And because it's too hard, you just go back to the default nutrition care process. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, well, let's step-by-step, let's guide you through building the foundations of what's a very, very effective consult then what do you do when clients are struggling? And then how do you just keep growing and implementing um, more skills on that? So your toolkit just becomes so big and you're so confident to when you need to use certain skills and when you don't need to use them. And I think the, the feedback I really get from the dietitians that have already gone through the program is that they love that they don't dread seeing clients. No client feels too difficult because they just, they know how to meet them where they are, keep coming back and get the results that their clients or patients, if you're in you know a patient type of setting, um, what they can actually do for themselves at the time. Yeah. And that's something that you just mentioned that's really important that I believe very strongly in is that we think of counseling as private practice, but counseling skills are not only for private practice, they're basically skills for relating to human beings. And Mm. so dietitians, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel as though dietitians in all areas can really benefit from having these enhanced counseling skill sets. I absolutely agree. So I I think in terms of the dietetics workforce, 90% of us perform our practice through communication. Mm -hmm. So it's vital for all of us. Um, I think perhaps why private practice dietitians may may be a little bit more drawn to it initially is because their business relies on um, clients getting outcomes, client retention and very good client testimonials, um, which I think really comes from the, their consulting process. There's a lot. There's a lot that they can control there. For um, dietitians in more healthcare hospital settings, I think it comes from more of that fulfillment as well. Because um, it doesn't. Re- if you're if you're in a position where um, you, it doesn't matter if your client doesn't show up because you're going to them in a hospital setting. Um, then. I think it's it's it can really lead to reduced fulfillment if you're just never getting through to your client or patient, never being able to build that relationship and see the change that you really want to instill in someone. Because and I know I'm generalizing, but dietitians really want to help, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That's just what I've noticed from all my dealings with our, our beautiful profession. So when you feel like you're not making a difference, it it eats at you. 
It does. And there's an increased level of burnout and there's an increased level of uh, something called moral injury as well, which is a lot of things, but boiling down to the fact that you feel like you're not making a difference. You feel like you want to be making a change, making an impact and doing all of these things for other people and really helping them. But the system or the structure or the constraints that you're up against don't let you. And so to be able to have a skill set where you're going to feel like you're making that difference, even in a hospital setting where you don't have the luxury of seeing people on and on for weeks or months at a time can be huge for your own level of satisfaction with your career. I agree. And I think contributing is a basic human need. So when you feel like you're not contributing, it can be very hard on us, on our mindset um, and just how we feel and how we feel about what we're doing for the community. Um, and just, just, I guess, just that point of, you know, if you are working in a more clinical setting, whether it's an inpatient setting or an outpatient setting, all the positive results that I've published have been uh, majority is in clinical dietitians. So they do get a big value out of the program. Um, so it's definitely for everyone, but I, I do really feel that the private dietitians may be just um, positioned in a way where they're going to see the fruits of the relationship mm -hmm. grow much quicker when they when they start using all these counseling skills. So I think their fulfillment's going to come a bit sooner. Yep, absolutely. Yep. That's beautiful. And you also just mentioned that this is published. This is not just you going through a master's program and learning about counseling, which is legitimate enough by itself, but you're actually published with this framework. Yes. So the framework that I teach is published, um, but because it was a while ago, the program has evolved since then. So it still has the same, uh, uh, the same framework, that evidence-based framework, but now it's got all the extras that um, dietitians that have gone through the program have told me they really want either more of or less of. So every time I have clients coming through, if they tell me they need something, I just try and adapt the program to include something that meets their needs as well. Um, so it is probably just, it's, it's much bigger now than what it is if you read the published paper. Very cool. But even when it was just that, it was still, um, dietitians still got results, which is what drove me to think about it in, um, in, in a, with, with, with a vision in mind of, of, of what our profession needs. Absolutely. And now that you've worked with all these different dietitians, what would you say are some of the biggest things that you feel are holding dietitians back when it comes to counseling? Oh goodness, my computer was not happy right there. I don't know if you heard any of that. Hopefully we get, didn't get that, but my computer no, just did something anything. funny. Good. Awesome. We're still rolling. Um, so what are some of the biggest things that you see holding dietitians back in counseling? Uh, in terms of counseling their clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I what I usually see is a lack of confidence in their skill set. Um, that's really universal. We see that all the time and the literature really supports that too. We also see that when clients are struggling and communicating that or they may just not be communicating that, um, dietitians don't know how to proceed. 
Got it. Um, so they feel very confident with nutrition education, but there's less confidence with behavior change. Um, and what do you do when someone is struggling? What do you do when someone's not valuing what you are telling them to do? Or they keep coming back and they're not changing or they have so many barriers, but they still keep coming back. Um, they can be really hard points for dietitians to overcome. So that's they're probably the, the number one, sorry, number one, two and three things that I see most of that they talk to me about. They just they want clients to be more motivated because they don't know how to give them the space to get motivated. Yeah. And that's huge, right? Like giving clients space is an enormous part of the counseling process and letting them be where they are. Now, without, you know, giving away your program and, and teaching on here for free, um, is there one tip that you can give for a dietitian who isn't feeling confident in the behavior change process or something that they could try and implement today to get started on this journey? Yeah, sure. So I think the biggest thing that our nutrition care, I'll give two tips actually, because one complements the other. So the, the, the two things that are really missing from our nutrition care process. So one is really getting your client to talk about the future that they want from changing their eating behaviors. So this goes beyond the, the common question of what's brought you in here today? What do you want to achieve by the end of the session? This is really find out their big picture. Because once you do, it becomes so much easier to keep bringing them back to that big picture because people lose their why when things get hard. And the only way you can overcome hard things is to remember your why. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing I would really invite dietitians to consider is to stop giving all the solutions. You don't need to feel like your value is only going to show if you give everything to your client in those first two sessions, because the reality is no one could do it. If I was to put myself in the client's shoes, I can't do all of that either. Uh, so actually meet the client where they are and don't be too worried that you're not giving all the solutions. Just give what you think they can manage and what they need. Yeah. I think that's crucial because that's one of the, that's actually one of the things that dietitians bring up a lot to me. Um, I want to get clients more engaged, but I find myself always giving the solutions. Mm -hmm. And also yeah. this idea that we feel like we have to prove ourselves by showing all the things that we know and just like almost word vomiting every single thing we've ever heard about whatever condition or question they come to us with. Um, I know that I used to, if someone asked me for like a recipe for something back in my community job, I would give them probably a stack of like 30 recipes, um, like something completely overwhelming that no one in their right mind could go through. And that can leave the client spinning their wheels and almost paralyzed because it's too much. So sometimes if we just scale it back and like say, okay, what's not steps, we're not going to talk about steps one through 10. Let's just talk about step one or like the first part of step one right now and go from yes. there. Yes. And I think really appreciating, but also believing and having faith that your system works. So small wins for clients actually 
give bigger results. Um, and I think that's important to, to remember because if clients get too overwhelmed, they don't want to come back. And it's not because you haven't done a good job in the consult process. It's because they're overwhelmed. So they'll start to feel like, well, what's the point to go back? I haven't done what the dietitians mm -hmm. told me to do. What could they possibly tell me that's different? And we really want to shut down that client mentality. And that's why the small steps are really important. So I they don't feel like they need to qualify to have a review with you. Absolutely. I used to do in my community position, very short 30 minute sessions, and that's not going to be right for every job, every client, every situation, but I did it because um, not only to respect my own time and the demand, but because it allowed me to be very focused and we didn't tackle this big ginormous thing. We just focused on one thing, um, something small that they could then take and implement and come back. And it felt a lot more manageable. And I wound up having clients that stuck with me for an extended period of time. Mm. Yeah. And th they're the kind of outcomes that you will notice when you are focused and just meeting your clients where they are and giving them very small steps. Um, so it's fantastic that you were doing that and you got to see the results from that too. And I know this is a really fantastic tip for the dietitians out there that are like, all right, I've had three sessions with this client and I don't know what else to talk about. I feel like I, there's just nothing left after three sessions. And we know that if, if that's happening, it's probably that you're giving away a lot in each session. Mm. And I think you've also got to ask yourself, have, has the client achieved what they wanted to achieve by working with you? Because I would be very surprised if someone, if their goal is big enough, you can't really achieve it in three sessions. Mm -hmm. If their goal is small enough and they've already been working on it, so they really just needed the education, that's when three sessions tend to yeah. be enough. But I find in my practice, um, so I'm, 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 I'm a renal dietitian and I still practice with um, my clients weekly. This, that it's we work together for a long time yeah. um, because it just it takes a while for some people to get for most people I should say to get confident in what they're doing and to keep optimizing um, things and the ones that I only have a one or two one or two sessions with or maybe three sessions with they're few and far between mm -hmm. And I would say the same thing in the intuitive eating space. I tend to work with uh, my nutrition clients for an easy six months um, most of the time because something like intuitive eating is a, a very big shift. Um, and there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of mindset work. Um, that might not be the case for everyone. I've, I've had shorter sessions and shorter packages for people with different goals and different concerns and at different stages in their journey. But um, especially if you're working on something like eating disorders or disordered eating or something like a complex medical condition like renal, then you're going to be working with them for a longer period of time. Mm. And you'll also find that even some clients that may have less complicated medical conditions, if their issues don't give them symptoms, they generally need a longer time to work with you because it is much harder to stay motivated to change and committed to change your eating behaviors when you don't have physical symptoms from something. Very true. I think that's really important to keep in mind that 
um, an asymptomatic condition usually needs more mindset work. That's a really fantastic way of looking at it too. And not something that I've really framed that way before. So I, I absolutely agree with you with that. Um, now, when it comes to like counseling and starting to incorporate these counseling techniques, the other concern that I hear from dietitians a lot is what is the line between therapy and counseling? Like, especially in the disordered eating, intuitive eating space, this question comes up a lot. Um, you know, how do we draw this line of, we have some counseling skills and we're going to be going into behavior change, but we don't want to go outside of our scope. And that's a really important consideration. Uh, so it's something that I do go into my program quite in depth. So the the, the content that I teach is very much only within the scope of dietetics. Excellent. The most important thing to consider is are the questions that you are asking related to you assessing a person's relationship with food, with barriers around food, with getting them to their end goal, or perhaps figuring out whether they need more interventions from a certified therapist or a psychologist. So it's very important to not cross the line of going into um, therapeutic interventions around their psychology. So in my experience, I've had many of those moments where it could have easily gone in, but you stop yourself because you know you can assess around it, but you never intervene around it unless it, it's related back to dietetics. And that is the point where you, I would stop and I would, I would let a client know that, look, I can really, what, what I'm hearing is that you're experiencing a lot of distress, what, use their words that, they're, that they've said to me, you know, how would you feel about, about some more intervention around ways to be able to learn more about what you're feeling and how to cope with it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that that's how I would start talking about a referral to a trained therapist that could really complement the work that we're doing. And I just plant the seed. They don't have to accept it then and now. I just say, just think about it yep. and let me know. And then I will bring back the conversation as to let me know how this relates to how you're eating, how you feel about food, because that that is what I'm trained about. That's what that's our training. So you've always got to bring it back to your scope of practice. Absolutely. And if it does go outside, if the conversation goes outside what you're comfortable with, it's only for the purpose of assessing whether you need to um, add extra therapeutic interventions or recommend or, or referrals to your, to your client's um, world. Yeah, absolutely. And both of those tips are fantastic ones where we introduce the concept of mental health support. And a lot of times, my clients don't necessarily recognize that what they're talking about is something that could be benefited by therapy. Um, so even explaining, you know, what the therapy process is like, not that you're engaging in it, but you're saying, you know, this is the kind of work that people can do with social workers or counselors or people who are trained with this. And then you could really dive deeper and then bring those insights back into what we work on um, together related to the food. And then again, reframing it so that you're talking about it in the context of their relationship with food. That's how we keep it within our lane. Yes. And if you can't, because someone gets a bit, gets too distressed, I think feeling confident to say 
to actually say what you can see, which is, you know, I, I, I can see, I, I can, I can see that this is not very comfortable for you or whatever you can see, reflect it back and ask your client if they want to continue. But these are very extreme circumstances. If I can just pop the disclaimer there, <laughs> I very rarely in my 12, 10, 11 years of practice, almost 12, have had a client um, say, I need to stop. It's probably happened maybe three times in 12 years, yeah. um, which is which is fine. Uh, but most of the time we're able to get it back to the conversation around what is within our scope of practice and what might be feasible to talk about today. Absolutely. And it's also not all that common. I mean, I see just the, the minor ones of, you know, the scope starts to blur a little bit, um, or we start to get to that line and I have to, you know, stay within my scope and, and acknowledge it. But even that doesn't happen on like a daily basis. Um, so mm. it's not like we have to constantly deal with this. Um, so, so I appreciate yeah. that disclaimer too. Yes. I think that in the majority of our everyday practice, you can actually go a lot deeper with your clients than what you're doing. Yep. You just yep. make sure that the questions always relate back to their goal around eating behavior change. If it's all coming back to that, then it's within your scope of practice. And then you just beyond that need the skills to help you do it, right? Absolutely. Excellent. Um, are there any like last minute tips that you want to share, things that you wish that dietitians knew or reminders that you want to give them about counseling, their confidence, their skill sets, anything that we've talked about today? Yeah, sure. I think one thing that really comes up often um, in conversations are whether these skills are buildable or whether they are innate in people. And I'm very clear on this point and the research supports what I'm about to say, that these are skills. Skills can be built, they can be developed. You just need to follow a framework. So it doesn't matter what your communication skills and counseling skills are like right now. If you feel like you are not connecting enough with your clients, that they're not getting the outcomes that, that they want from working together, your attention's not where it is. I really encourage dietitians to feel like they have some control over that and more than what they actually believe they do. And that these skills, when you have the blueprint, when you have the step-by-step -step guide, become so much easier to implement because we all start somewhere. And sometimes just having a list of three to five things to do differently or even one thing to do differently and you just keep building on it. So never think that it is not possible because it is completely possible with the right framework. I love that. And with that. the right mindset. I love that. Thank and as someone who is like a very strong introvert, I like to hear that um, because I know that there are other introverts out there or people who feel like they're maybe not as charismatic or like good with words or, or something like that to know that we can improve on this no matter who you are, what your disposition is, what your personality traits are, what your past education has prepared you for we can meet you where you are and, and you can build this up and you can work on it and become more confident and effective. Absolutely. I think the only prerequisite is to be willing to grow and meet your client where they are, which anyone can do. That's not personality dependent. None of this is personality dependent. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Stephanie, I can't thank you enough for sharing your expertise on here. I 
wish that I had your program when I was a new dietitian um, and feeling like I just was completely in like drowning in counseling skills. Um, so I highly recommend any dietitian listening that feels underprepared for counseling or wanting to hone that skill, connect with you. Um, you're doing amazing work. And if anyone wants to kind of get to know you or connect with what you're doing, how can they do that? Firstly, thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. Um, so I'm very touched by those words. Uh, I think if anyone wants to connect with me, I'm on Instagram. So you can just find me under my name. No, I don't have a fancy handle yet. It's just Stephanie Nataris um, on Instagram. If you just want to connect with me, say hello. Um, there's lots of things on my page that you can look at. Um, I also do have a Facebook community for dietitians on counselling skills as well that you're welcome to join and ask questions. And I do post um, some free training monthly there as well. It's just a community for dietitians. Um, so I can, I can provide that link if anyone is, is interested in joining. Absolutely. I'll be sure to include everything in the show notes. So you can go to that after you finish listening and check it out. I'm going to be checking out the Facebook group too, because I'm always looking to improve my counseling skills as well. So thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for being up bright and early to record this today, all the way from Australia. And I'm looking forward to everyone being able to listen to this one. My pleasure. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you're looking for more content like this to help you overcome burnout, imposter feelings, and limiting beliefs that are holding you back from feeling confident and passionate about your work, sign up for my email list at www.empoweringdietitians.com newsletter, and let's stay connected. That's www.empoweringdietitians.com slash newsletter. And one last thing, if you found this episode valuable, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with your dietitian friends and leave a positive review. Those two things help this podcast reach more dietitians who need to hear these messages. And together, we can really start to change the landscape of our profession for the better. <laughs>